0: Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome to the podcast. Hope you guys are having a phenomenal week. Um, I'm having a great week and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest. Uh, please help me welcome Frank Egan. Uh, Frank Egan is a founder and president of Am Spirit Business Connections, where he works to empower entrepreneurs, sales representatives, and professionals around the country to become more successful through networking. In addition, Frank is a sought-after speaker and consultant to companies and organizations on topics related to professional networking and business relationship development. He's written numerous articles on professional networking and is the author of several books, including Foundational Networking, Building Know, Like, and Trust to Create a Lifetime of Extraordinary Success, The Champion, Finding the Most Valuable Person in Your Network, and Chase Greatness, Life Lessons Revealed Through Sports. Frank is the host of a weekly Networking Rx podcast, as well as the host of a daily micro podcast, Networking Rx Minute, which provides short messages of inspiration and recommended action. Frank has a law degree and an MBA from Ohio State University and a BA in economics and management from Beloit College. Frank, welcome to the show. Thank
1: you. That's uh, quite a quite a mouthful. I have more letters <laughs> after my name than in my name. <laughs> and my kids still think I'm stupid. So whatever. <laughs> oh, you
0: know, you, I think we all do up to a certain point and then you get to a point where it's like, oh, maybe they weren't yeah. that stupid after all.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I, I hear
0: you. You're right. Yeah. Um, so definitely want to talk about all that stuff, how you got your start, uh, your law degree, why you do, you do you still use your law degree or are you? Yeah, I
1: don't do practice, no. Okay. I don't practice,
0: yeah. Um, but talk about that transition and stuff. We want to talk about uh, Am Spirit, where that came from, talk about your books, and a bunch of other things. Uh, but before we get started, I've got 10 questions that okay. I ask all of my guests. These are questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where the host James Lipton asks these questions of his uh, TV stars, film stars, stage uh, from Hollywood. And I guess if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. Sure. So. Frank, question number one. What is your favorite word?
1: Oh, boy. Um, Awesome.
0: Okay. What is your least favorite word? Dude. (laughs) I am guilty of using that more than you know. Yeah, well,
1: dude or buddy. I hate when people call me buddy when they... When they don't know me, you know, hey, buddy, like that's going to solve everything. Yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. All right. What turns you on? Um, coming to work. I love to work. Nice. What turns you off?
1: Um, mean people. I don't like people who are mean, selfish people.
0: What sound or noise do you love?
1: I love hearing the national anthem. That's a sound or a noise. Yeah.
0: Nah. Absolutely. Um, What sound or noise do you hate? Probably
1: the alarm clock. I wake up before (laughs) my alarm clock. Uh, I I don't, you know, I'll just be like peering over. I just don't want to hear it. Um,
0: (laughs) All right. Question seven. What is your favorite curse word?
1: um, You know, it's probably the F word because it's so versatile. It can be a noun. It can be a verb. (laughs) It can be an adjective or an adverb. It's just, it's it's pretty versatile.
0: (laughs) There you go. Um, Question eight. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt?
1: Um, you know, I think financial advising would be neat. You can kind of build a book of business and really, really help people.
0: Nice. Uh, What profession would you not like to do?
1: Uh, dentist, proctologist, probably (laughs) any any of the orifices, right?
0: (laughs) I am definitely with you on that. All right. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates?
1: Um, you you didn't make it just by a hair. (laughs) In other words, I I was clear. I I clearly belong.
0: Good job. All right. So Frank, we're going to come back, talk about uh, the early days, how you got your start in in law, how you transitioned over into networking and what networking has has meant for you and how you help businesses with their networking. Um, We'll talk about all that and more. Well, you don't have to imagine any more. You can have that and more when you join my business success mastermind group. Join my business success mastermind group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Frank A. Frank, thanks again for agreeing to be on the podcast. So the law degree, is that something you wanted to do from an early age? Is that something you, you know?
1: No, no, no. Um, You know, this kind of goes back in time. I went to college, went to Beloit College in Beloit, Wisconsin. It's a liberal arts college. Um, I went there to play football. My parents went there. And when they, the college knew I was a senior in high school, reached out to my dad. I really wasn't that eager to go off to college. I just wanted to play college football. And he told the school, he said, I don't know what he wants to do. He, all I know is he wants to play football. So a couple of nights later, the coach called me and basically said, I'm five foot 10, 180 pounds. I'm not going anywhere, right? But I'm delusional as a kid. And, um, and I talked to the coach and he's like, Yeah, you could play here. You know, I'm not saying you'll start, but you could play here. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm coming. And he says, Well, when do you want to visit? I'm like, Well, I don't need to visit. I'm coming. I never visited. I just went to college to go play nice. football and ended up doing really well because I didn't want to get kicked off the football team. And so about two years into this college experience and it was a great experience. I was doing really well. They sat me down, my advisor sat me down what are you going to do with your life? And I said, well, I'm probably going to go back to my hometown and open a video store. VCRs were just coming out. (laughs) So, I mean, I know it sounds crazy now. Yeah. yeah, You know, it would be the awesome job because you could watch movies for a living, right? You'd sit there and watch movies. Um, and, um, Obviously the character of who the guy who owns a video store is not very flattering (laughs) at this point. Um, but they said, no, you can't do that. You've got great grades and you just need to go off and get a graduate degree or something. Well, go to law school. That sounds neat. So I ended up going to law school and, uh, um, Ohio state was the only school I got accepted into. I applied to Yale, Michigan, some other really elite schools. And, um, it just, you know, it's very competitive, um, mm-hmm. but Ohio State's no, you know, it's no slouch. It's a great school. Sure. Um, and when I got there, you know, I was kind of in the mindset, okay, you do well in school, you get good grades, get these degrees, get good grades, and life will take care of itself. Yeah. And so that's really how the law degree came about.
0: Um, so. What area of law?
1: Um, you know, I, 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 well, I focused a lot on taxation. Um, there's an MBA, a joint MBA program. So I got into this joint program. Um, I took a lot of accounting in undergrad, took a lot of finance in undergrad, and so that stuff came naturally to me. And taxes, kind of a you know a, a close cousin to those two, just understanding how things work. And so mm-hmm. I got into taxation, and that led me to my first job with a public accounting firm, one of the big six at the time. It was big four now. Uh, uh, it was Coopers and Library and now it's Price uh, uh Price,
0: Waterhouse, Price Coopers. Waterhouse Coopers, yeah, yeah, very cool. And so, and then you stayed in Ohio, right?
1: I did, yeah. I came here. You know, it's funny because I, I applied to Ohio State because I knew a girl who was going to Ohio State. Harlan, it literally, it literally cost me five dollars to apply. I mean, you can't buy flowers that cheap, right? I mean, <laughs> I talk about scoring points for nothing. Um, yeah. And I didn't ever expect that this would be the place I would. End up at. I grew up in Michigan. I wanted to go to the University of Michigan, Um, and uh, so I came here because of that. And that didn't last. Nice woman. Um, And then I met another woman that kind of kept me around, and that didn't last. She moved away, and then I met my wife at the firm we were at, and uh, she's not from here either. But we've just kind of decided, you know, we've got kids here; they like it. It's not. It's a. It's a nice place. Um, It's just not home. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Black Lake, Ohio, whereabouts is that?
1: Um, it's, it's an un, unincorporated uh, little area, suburb of Columbus, Ohio, dead okay. center of the state right near nice. the airport.
0: Very cool. Good job. Um, so tell me about AmSpirit. How did, how did that come about?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, my life is, as you, as you're finding out, it's this litany of immature decisions and, and whatnot. So, you know, so go, you know, I became a tax person and it was a great job. It was great pay. It was great. Everything 19th floor of an all glass building, you know, everything about it, big, you know, beautiful clients, everything um, except for that word taxes, Harlan. I didn't want to yeah. do taxes for the rest of my life. Um, it's fun at first. And after a while, it's kind of a different day. Same story, same question. So I decided to leave and go into private practice. And I tell people that a funny thing happened to me when I went into private practice. And the funny thing was nothing happened. I had no Mm -hmm. idea how to get clients. They don't teach you that in school, college, professional school, uh, grad school. They don't teach you anything about that. Um, And when you're working for the firm, they don't teach you about that. You just come in, we have the work. Be here six days a week, seven if you can do it. um, We have the work. And so I struggled. And it's especially difficult for an attorney Cause we're not really supposed to be calling people, um, the ethical boundaries there. And, uh, we can joke about attorneys, but they're very, they're very, uh, they're sticklers about that. Absolutely. And, um, and for good reason, nobody wants to be cold called by a bunch of attorneys. Um, and, um, so I had lunch one day with a friend of mine, she was an attorney. She had taken a different path out of law school and she had started her own firm. And I just asked her, I said, what do I need to do to be successful? How did you build this? And she said, you need to get into a tips club or a leads group. And so people who are familiar with BNI, mm-hmm. um, you know, something, she was alluding to something like that. Of course, at that point, I didn't know what she was talking about. Well, BNI wasn't in town. There was another organization. <clears throat> it was based out of Pittsburgh and it was called network professionals, NPI. <clears throat> and, um, I got invited to a meeting, and it was really kind of like, Oh, I got to do something um, because I have no idea what I'm doing otherwise and so but when I showed up, it made total sense to me that i could i could I could change my whole world. I could lift my whole world up by helping other people. Yeah. And so I just really decided I was going to double down on this experience and became that chapter's first president, got on the national advisory board, and then at one point had an opportunity to be Uh, the organization's first franchisee. And then in the early 2000s, there was another opportunity essentially to buy out what I had built. I had started with really a nothing territory Mm -hmm. and grew it into the largest territory that was bigger than half the organization. Wow. So the woman who had founded it, she was really, you know, she was looking to exit. She was much older um, and uh, looking to exit. And we just came to terms and at that point, I changed the name Network Professionals to AmSpirit Business Connections for a couple reasons. One, um, there were still network professionals groups out there, and I didn't want any confusion. But the problem with the name Network Professionals, it's kind of like International Business Machine. It's so generic that we couldn't trademark it. Right. So literally, people could compete with me using that name. And I wanted something. AmSpirit was a name that i had come up with in law school, short for American Spirit, Um, and I'd actually gotten a trademark through the, you know, uh, and trademark office. So it was like, okay, this is protected. This is something I can use. So that's where it came from and how it all came
0: to be. Very cool. And then how many chapters do you have now?
1: You know, um, it's, it's over a hundred now. I joke. I'm always the last to know. Um, because you know, I have an assistant and she interfaces with the franchisees and, um, you know, things are happening, and I'll just, you know, she'll put a certificate. I sign all the certificates, she'll put it in front of me, and I'm like, okay, where is this? Who is this? What's this yeah. about? Um, because a lot of times the names of these groups are not uh, tied to a particular area.
0: Yeah. Very cool. And so networking became a big part of your business. Now you focus almost everything on networking. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, you know, when I decided to buy this and, and rebrand it, I stopped the practice of law, um, and it was a step back. It was, it was scary, um, but I be, decided to really become a student of networking. You know, I originally bought it just kind of as an, an investment, Harlan. But then people were looking to me for help, and I wanted to be able to help people. So I really started to dig into why networking works and why it doesn't work, why people get referrals and why people don't get referrals. And there are definite reasons for that. Um, and then I could, I could lack of a better term, coach people, yeah. you know, stop using all the jargon. You you sound smart. Everybody thinks you're really smart, but nobody has any ideas to how they can refer you business. Do right. you want to be smart and poor or do you want to, you know, communicate with people and get and get referrals? Well, most people are going to say, well, I, you know, I'd rather look a little dumber and get business. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So that's just, yeah, that's just part of, you know, just one of the many aspects of helping people.
0: Yeah, It reminds me of that story of uh, Einstein's sister, I think it was, or his wife, maybe. Uh, somebody asked, one of the reporters asked, do you understand all the stuff your husband talks about? And she goes, I understand the words. Mm. I don't understand the sentences. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so so networking really helped with your business, grow your business and stuff like that. What yeah. What is it that most people get wrong about networking?
1: Uh, well, I think what people people look at networking as this transactional sort of thing, they'll go to a networking event. Um, well, here, here's a great example. I ran into a coach type at a networking event. Your your uh, your audience will will appreciate this. And I just said, you know, how can I help you? You know, I'm always looking to try and help people. Who can I connect you with? He said, I would like to be referred to somebody who's you know in in a department in a corporation that has about twenty five thousand dollars to spend on leadership development for their staff. You know, I'm like, okay, you know, that's, it's a good message. It's very specific, but what this person is asking for is they're asking for what I call a six inch putt. You know, that tap in putt that nobody ever misses. Yeah. Um, and, and he probably, I didn't have anything for him. He probably left that event and said, well, this networking thing, is, it doesn't work. And what I tell people is, well, it does work, but you need to take a step back. And it's not about six inch putts. It's about your tee shot and all the shots along the way to get yourself to that point where you get a six inch putt. Um, And so the biggest mistake I see is, is that people, they think it's a quick fix. I have to make quota by the end of the week, by the end of the month, I've got to make quota. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to an event. That'll do it. It's, it's really relationships. And it's, it's, it's not a microwave. It's a crock pot.
0: Yeah. Well, it's investing in your business and investments yeah. are are long-term. They're not yeah. short, quick hits, right? Yeah. Um, and I think messaging is a big thing too that I've seen in some of the networking groups. We had one guy uh, come into our group. He was a, a chiropractor. And so we said, who is a great referral for you? And He goes, anybody with a spine. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's not really helpful. No. A year or so later, we had another guy come in, also a, a chiropractor. And we said, "Who's a good referral for you?" And he goes, "I want to help your student athletes have the best possible year so they get that college you know that. and it's like well i'm not a I'm not a you know high school sports athlete and stuff, but I know somebody who has a kid that's in right, so it's easy then to refer it's easy to think of those people and stuff um yeah. so I think the messaging is huge,
1: yeah, anybody equals nobody that's, yeah. you know um, and you know what chiropractors attorneys, accountants, a lot of people are being, uh, are guilty of that, that vagueness. Um, and they, do, they don't want to narrow it down because they're afraid they're going to miss something. Um, but in trying to be all encompassing there, they really uh, say nothing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're missing it. And I think the uh, business to consumer is kind of easy. I've been in networking mm-hmm. groups where the trades groups just explode. They have so many referrals because if your roof is leaking, you know, as a consumer, I need a roofer, yep. right? If your plumbing's backed up, I need a plumber, electrical issues. But for a business to say, I need a, a coach, that's not always easy for them to admit. And it's not always easy to refer somebody, hey, I think your business sucks so much. You may need this coach, right? So it's always kind of difficult that way to, to get those type of referrals.
1: Yeah. What what I tell people in in the coaching consulting realm, a couple things. One, don't tell me what you do because the coach doesn't really define it. Right. Tell me when you do it. Give me a 30 second story of somebody that you've helped because that helps paint that picture. The chiropractor is the perfect example, the second chiropractor. Mm -hmm. You know, I can picture that college athlete. I can see that kid uh, um, on my street who trains every day, you Mm -hmm. know, thinking about him and that kind of seeds our mind um so you know that's certainly something to uh to that the coaches need to take away with Uh, but the other thing and i kind of alluded to it earlier is think about all you know think about golf and all the shots in golf you know there are a lot of things that you can ask your network for so if you're a coach i would say you know be open to being introduced to just great business people in your community because those people know other great business people in your community even they may not need you or understand what you're about but they get an opportunity to be exposed to you be open to be referred into opportunities where you can be the thought leader go into the chamber and do a you know do a whole program on goal setting you're not pitching yourself you're just helping everybody just giving away what you have be open to asking for things that are uh, what I call unique opportunities. You know, hey, this, you know, the school has got a, uh, um, they're they're doing a business fair. Um, wh- what's the junior achievement? Mm-hmm. They've got junior achievement, and they need people to volunteer. Well, that's a unique opportunity. You know, sure. hey, you know, mom, dad, I was there, and and Coach Harlan was there. He's a, the, you know, he's the, he's the guy we always see here or there, and I, you know, he knows so much about business. Well the dad or the mom who's in business is going to say, huh, I didn't realize that's what, what coach Harlan did. I just thought he was a coach. Uh, Well, he is, but not a ball coach. Um, You know, the other thing to keep in mind and to ask for along the way is ask for connections to what I'll call strategic partners. Mm -hmm. Who are the people that are running in the same circles you are selling something totally different accountants, attorneys, financial advisors that have business clients those are good people to be introduced to and the last thing i tell people you know to that you know coach to ask for would be to ask for you know things that may not be perfect you know here's a company out there you know what and they don't really have a budget for what you do because they really don't know how to define what it is mm-hmm. you do but be willing to go in there and help them write the rfp Right. Yeah. Um, you know, or go in there and say, this is really what you want to be asking for. I know I might not get it, but you certainly have a leg up if you're kind of uh, the person pulling all that stuff together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Networking. I, I know you talk a lot about it. it. It's all about knowing, liking, and trusting people. And yep. you don't get that instantly. That is something that's built up over time. Once people do get to know you, like you, they trust you with things they'll start thinking of you more often and, and getting it out there. And I've told people, don't, don't sell my coaching. Just introduce me to somebody. Hey, met a great right. guy. Come over and talk to him. And I'll let me take it from there. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's like you said, it's a, it's a long run sort of a thing. Yeah. Should be.
0: So it has a pandemic helped networking or hurt networking. You know, it
1: depends who you ask. Um, you know, for me, I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here. You and I would not have met but for the pandemic. And I can piece back, uh, um, you know, who introduced us and mm-hmm. who introduced me to that person and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. Um, I'm willing to bet it probably stems back to a woman by the name of Casey Haston or uh, 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 Berta Medina or some, You know, yeah. there's, there's, there's a handful of people who have been very instrumental that I met in the early days of the lockdown um, who are like, yeah, let's figure out how we're going to help each other. And um, so for me, it's been helpful. I know people all over the world. I never thought, you know, I never, you know, yeah, I've always had to worry about Pacific time and Eastern time. You know, I never worried about, I never thought I would worry about Mumbai time or, you know, Thailand, (laughs) right? Bangkok time. You know, how that interplays. In fact, I'm doing an interview in Estonia next month. Nice. um, And I had to ask. Do you guys observe daylight savings time? Because that would change everything, right? It could be an hour later, an hour early. (laughs) Um, And so we had to figure that out. And, um, you know, so it's, you know, for me, it's been very helpful. It's just, I've met a lot of great people and it's really opened doors that I didn't know existed before.
0: Sure. And I think a lot of people have the concept that networking is for people who are in business for themselves, but you can network. Even if you're an employee of a business, I think networking there can help further your career, right? Looking down the line.
1: Oh, I, I totally agree. I, um, in 2008, you know, we're, we're in the depths of the Great Recession. Um, I did a lot of going out and speaking to job transition groups, just trying to hear some things you can do to network. And as these people were getting placed, I would tell them, listen, this may not be your last trip with a pink slip in your hand. Yeah. You know, um, I would treat every day like, you know, like it's going to happen again and get to know people around. In fact, there was a woman I know locally and it was it was it was kind of like a revolving door. She was she was a, a, a volunteer coordinator in the not for profit arena. And every time she would lose something a week later, somebody else would hire her because she had done such a great job of just keeping herself plugged in. Um, and a company would say, or a not-for-profit would say, you know, okay, we don't need your services anymore for whatever reason. You did a great job. Um, but somebody else would say, good, we get you now. Um, and that was the smart thing to do. And I think a lot of people run into where they get back in and they silo themselves again. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm in this cubicle. I'm gonna put my head down and do a great job. And that's important. I think getting to know other people around the organization is important too.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. So you've got a few books out um, on networking and other things too. Tell me about foundational networking.
1: Yeah. um, When I, well, uh, you know, somebody asked me this question earlier today, what's been the most, what's been the most impactful non-business book? And I said, well, you know, I've written two novels. Those were the most impactful for for me, not in a knowledge sense, but they're five, 600 pages each. It gave me the courage, the confidence. I could write a book. I can do this. It's not a, it's not a mystery to me. Yeah. Um. And so when I wanted to pull together all that I was learning about networking, and I, I read a lot of different books on networking, and they all were, they're they're all good, but they're all very tactical. Here, have this thirty-second commercial that everybody you know remembers. Right. And that's great advice, but I know people with wonderful thirty-second commercials who don't do well networking. And I know people who have horrible 30 second commercials that are great. Right. You know, the one example, I just did a podcast on a couple of weeks ago. I talked about our David Thomas. He's the founder of Wendy's international okay. hamburger chain. Yep. He didn't graduate high school. And if you talk to the man, you would believe he didn't graduate high school because is and are, was and were are just totally interchangeable. I mean, he's just a, he's like a country bumpkin, right? But man, that guy could network. He went back, when he was starting Wendy's, he went back to all the people he knew in, when, he, when he worked his way up in Kentucky Fried Chicken and got all these investors. Um, and so when I'm writing foundational networking, I'm just trying to think about, okay, wh- you know, why? What's the difference? And what I, what I, came, what I came to conclude that really the, the strategies and tactics are good, all things being equal. But all things aren't being equal, and you have people out there that are just mean. You have people out there who, um, who quite frankly, come to networking events and they mope around. They might have a yeah. great thirty-second commercial, but they're, but they're a mope. Yeah. Um, and then you have other people who are just like totally optimistic, and they stumble all over their words. But man, you just you love their energy. Exactly. And so the book is really talks about the the attitudes uh, and habits that one needs to have to be successful. And that's the term foundational networking, get those things aligned, and then you know, worry about the other things later.
0: Very cool. And then the champion finding the most valuable person in your network. Yeah,
1: that's a fable book. Um, there was a, it was funny cause I wrote the first book and that led to another book called linked working. I co-wrote with a guy by the name of Lewis Howes, who's is very popular in, uh, um, he he's got a podcast. He's very popular out there. Um, And somebody referenced that book to a guy. He reached out and he said, I want to co-author a book with you. I want to do a fable book.
0: Nice.
1: And um, so we just kind of kicked around the idea of a fable book and how it would work. um, Similar to like a go-giver type thing. A a Mm -hmm. go-giver was not as popular even out at that point. Um, But it's just a story of of a person who comes at networking. He's that person, that bad networker right? Okay. He's shoving his card and people's, in, and he learns through, he, he learns through happenstance, how to do it right.
0: Nice.
1: You know, he loses his voice. So he goes to a networking event. He can't talk, which is probably the best thing that could happen to him. <laughs> right. Um, and there's just a series of little things like that. And he realized he had this epiphany. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Um, you know, all the things I was doing before, which I haven't had an opportunity to do really were hurting me. Um and so that's, it's a short 45 minute read. Nice.
0: Very cool. And how many other, how many books total do you have?
1: Um, I have 10 total. Two are not listed out there. I wrote them mainly for the franchise industry. And uh, when I talk to franchise brokers, I'll hand them out. Um, but yeah, nice. so 10.
0: Yeah. Very cool. Good job. Busy man. So uh, the podcast is about courage. Um where did people find the courage to step away from the nine to five to create their own success? Um, where did you find the courage to? I mean, you put a lot into your degree, yeah. And then where did you find the courage to say, "I'm going to set that aside and I'm going to go this direction"? Where'd that come from?
1: Well, I think I've always been entrepreneurial. I know I have. When I was a kid, I um, I sold night crawlers. We okay. lived up in northern yeah. Michigan on the highway yeah. and put a sign out. And <laughs> my parents would take me to the golf course at night after it would rain and to pick, they'd come out thousands. Yeah. yeah. And my parents yeah. and brother and sister were much better at grabbing them than I was. So I had free labor, <laughs> 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 like slave labor, right? Nice. Um, but I was always entrepreneurial. Even when I was working at Publica County, I was very fascinated how people made money and how it all worked. And I knew, I knew I wanted to kind of do my own thing and I think there's a lot of people out there in business who probably are the same way, but I stumbled across a postcard or a card in a flight magazine that said, um, if I, I, oh gosh, I have it here somewhere. Um, you can't discover new oceans unless you have the courage to lose the sight of shore. Right. And I bought a copy of it and I just set it on my desk and just looked at that every day. And it's like, you know what? This is so scary. Having a paycheck every week mm-hmm. is easy. It's mm-hmm. miserable. There's a lot of, there's a lot of crap that goes with it, but it's easy. And I just said, I've just got to push away and just trust that I'm going to be able to make this work. And um, it's, you know, it's not easy, but I, I made it work.
0: Yeah. Very cool. Um, and how many people do you have working for you in your organization right now?
1: Well, I, I have an assistant. Um, much of the rest of it is kind of um, farmed out. I mean, there's a guy who does a lot of work for me on the website, but he's got his own business and, mm-hmm. you know, obviously payroll. And I've got an accounting firm and it, it handled little bits and pieces there. Over the years, I, I, I've, I've really tried to make technology, to harness technology. I used to have an assistant that worked full time. Okay. Now I've got somebody that's yeah. part time. Because everything's just everything's automated. Yeah. Um and it's a service based business. But I do have I do have uh franchisees and, and, and they have sub directors as well. At last count I think there was twenty six, twenty seven of them. Awesome. Um and uh so a lot of it's really kind of coaching them and empowering them.
0: Sure. And then, uh, when you had your law practice, did you have people working for you? I
1: did. I had an uh, I had an assistant. At one point, she said, "Hey, we're not doing law anymore. We're doing this." Uh,
0: <laughs> well, what? Yeah.
1: Um. No, I mean it was it. it they didn't. It wasn't that abrupt, but um. She kind of knew it was coming, but yeah, I did. Um, it was a solo practice, and I probably, if I would have stuck with it, would have aligned with a firm because what you start to realize when you're practicing law, I was a, I was a business attorney um, and I could do estate planning and I could do real estate stuff and, this, and, and, and things like that. But if my client were to get into a legal dispute and there would be litigation, I really wasn't a litigator. So I would end up losing clients or a great deal of income mm-hmm. because somebody would take that on and it would have been in my best interest to align with a firm where I could say, okay, chips down the hall, he's going to handle the litigation thing when you're done with him. Cause he doesn't know anything about business. You're going to come yeah. back to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I, I liked practicing law. Um, but when this opportunity came along, I just, I told my wife, I said, you know, if I practice law, I know what the future holds there's thousands of attorneys that live this life every day and they will see it all the way through. And I know what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And it's not a bad life, but I know what it's going to be. And this other path, this networking path, I don't know where it's headed. And that really excites me. That I can build something. I can build a brand. I mean, I literally came up with the name AmSpirit on the back of a napkin or, you know, on the back of a, you know, and it's, I don't know what it's worth, but it's, it's not worth a napkin. <laughs> it's worth yeah. more than a, than a napkin. Um, so, you know, to me it's been fun and very
0: cool. So if I was to bump into any of these folks that have worked for you in the past or, or, uh, in the franchises that you have, so if I was to bump into any of those folks and ask them what type of leader you are, what do you think they'd tell me? What kind of leader are you?
1: Um, Boy, it depends on the day. I have my moments, right? I mean, I think we all do. Um, I am, I tell people I'm a work in progress. Uh, um, You know, this is what I like to say. I'm not kind. I'm not generous. um, I'm well, I'll throw, I'm not, not racist. I'm not anything. I just try to be right. I try to be kind. I try to be open-minded. I, I, you know, I try to be a good person all the way around and And that's not always easy. Yeah, It's not always easy because people have different perceptions. Um, Like I'll have somebody who'll come to to me with an idea. And it might be, I don't want to say it's a horrible idea, but knowing what I know about the business and how it all works, it's just not a good idea for the way we work. And I'll say, you know, it it can't work. And so they might come at me and say, oh, you're so, you're not open-minded at all. You don't want to take anybody's ideas. And it's like, well, other than all the ideas I take, you're right. I don't take anybody's ideas. I mean, yeah, I do, but you don't want to give me credit for all those other things because you want this one thing done. So it certainly depends on on, in the moment. Um, I have a couple people who uh, uh, Gina Winterstein, Dean Curry, Tom Anderson, Shannon Walker, Brian Mulvaney have been associated with me for 10 plus years. Gina since 1997. Wow. Wow. she could walk away at any point. So I can't be all bad. Um, or, or, or maybe she's really desperate. I don't know. <laughs> um, so I think I have a good relationship with these people. I think they would go to bat for me. I would go to bat for them. I, I think they're the greatest. Um, and it's um, what a great joy to be working with you know, people like that.
0: Absolutely. Very cool. So, as an entrepreneur, what's the hardest lesson you've ever had to learn? Oh
1: boy. Um, well, I think the, maybe not the hardest lesson, but the lesson that keeps coming back is you don't know it all. I recorded a podcast episode a couple of weeks ago and the title of it is, how could I have been so wrong for so long? Because somebody hit me with something and it's like, Oh my God, you're so right. How did I not see it? It's so obvious, you know? Um, And I think every year we're like, okay, I'm smart, I've got it all figured out, and then there's something that rears its head where I made a mistake. Um, And just to understand that there's always something to learn. I learn a lot from my kids. You know, my my kids teach me a lot. Um, Certainly about myself. You know, attitude and perseverance and and things like that. Um, Which is you know technology sorts of things you know, why don't you do it this way? Oh, okay. I think we're, we're in a great time. And there, you know, I think there was a time in the forties, fifties, sixties, where longevity with the company and that experience yeah. really kind of ruled the day.
0: Yeah.
1: And now that's all, that's all gone away. And mm-hmm. it's really, are you willing to continue to reinvent yourself day after day? And, and I am, you know, I don't, you know, I don't ever want to say, oh, I don't, I don't want to learn anything new. I don't want to start doing TikTok videos, and I, no. you know, um, maybe I should. I don't know, um, but um, but I'm open to learning things yeah. because the, the world is changing so fast.
0: Absolutely, and that's one of the types of courage we talk about: is intellectual courage, having the courage yeah. to set aside your long-held beliefs, you know, and the knowledge you have to make room for brand new knowledge. You know, yeah, because you're right; everything is always changing. Is there a type of courage you think is most important for leaders? um well i mean i think
1: i think there's got to be a selfless courage there i mean you have to make some decisions that just don't work in your favor yeah and that's that's not always an easy thing to do um and i think i think many of us were faced with that heading into the pandemic i mean i told my assistant i said you know what i don't know what's going to happen but you're you're going to be here um I can go without we're fine you know we're not rich we're not poor but you know the place is paid for you know we, we might have to make some changes cut that. but you mm. plan on being here every day or plan on working just like you've normally been working and you know i, I didn't know i didn't mm. know what was going to be coming down the pike um mm. and it all worked out i mean obviously congress came through and um there were a lot of great things mm. <clears throat> that Came about because of the pandemic, um, but I didn't know that in the moment. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, what type of courage do you think comes most easily for you?
1: Um, most easily for me, uh, well, just being optimistic about things. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's a, if, if if we want to call that a courage, um, looking at the bright side of things. Um, you know, things go, you know, you're in business, things go bad every day,
0: Sure.
1: you, you know, you get fired every day in one form, form mm-hmm. or another, and, you know, just being able to dust yourself off and just kind of forget it. Um, there's a, there's a show on Apple TV, um, Ted Lasso about the soccer coach. And okay. he tells the team, you gotta, you gotta have a, a mentality of a goldfish. Yeah. And he goes on to explain the goldfish has got a 10 second memory. Just forget yeah. it. And you really have to do that. Um, and I think that just comes with, you know, over time realizing that no one thing is going to take me down and no one thing is going to make me either. Um, you just have to keep plugging away.
0: Absolutely. Very cool. Um, so I read in your bio too, that uh, you do a lot of community um, things, community involvement. Tell me about the charitable roundtable.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, through the years i've been very involved in the community here. I was on the pool board, I was on a soccer board I was on uh, my kids went to a Catholic school I was on their athletic board for ten years um, and I enjoyed serving and as they were moving out, I just felt it was good for me to move along as well and create an opportunity for somebody else and i didn't really know what it what what it is that I wanted to do, but I got to thinking about my strength and my strength is bringing people together and helping people connect the dots. So what I did is I invited a series of not-for-profits into a meeting. This was back in January of 2015. And I just said, I I know what your number one issue is, your perceived number one issue, it's money. And you're not really going to want to be talking about who your biggest funders are and things like that. But let's have a conversation about all the other problems you deal with. Under the premise that every problem you have, somebody else around the table here has solved it. And so people were freely sharing, you know, recruiting volunteers, onboarding volunteers, um, technology issues. It just kind of went on and on. And sure enough, everybody said you ought to do this. You ought to do that. Um, And so I said, you don't want to continue to do this. And so, yeah. So second Friday of every month, we have this gathering of the charitable roundtable. And it was in person in Columbus until Mm -hmm. March of 2020. March 10th I think it was was the last one hmm. sparsely attended you know everyone's kind of getting sure. crazed about this covid <laughs> thing um, and then it went to zoom and i was i was quietly devastated i guess or just uh, depressed yeah. but, you know i had a lot of work into it 4 or 5 years and i realized that it was actually a good thing because for years people were reaching out to me in other parts of the country saying we hear about this charitable roundtable. What can you tell us? And I would go through the whole thing. And, and Harlan, I would say, you should do it in your community,
0: yeah.
1: knowing that it would probably never happen. Now, when I get those calls, it's like, you can come on in. We do a Zoom call and um, you know, had a woman in from the Yukon, uh, mm-hmm. the, one, the woman I was telling you about earlier, who's yeah. you know just the house sitting. And she does a lot of work with uh, um, Native people up in the Yukon. As part of doing our charitable work, we had people come in from the UK, uh, routinely from Florida, uh, Oregon, California, you know, the coast, and all over the middle part of the country. And there's a there's a big concentration in Columbus. This is just where it kind of started. But it's a great conversation every month where people are just sharing insights. And um, and people say, well, when are you going to start in-person meetings again? I'm like, well, I'm not. It's it, it's going to be. This is what it is. Sure. Um, this is this is what it's become. So, you know, it's one of those silver linings to the COVID uh, the COVID crisis.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes you have to look for them, but they're there, right? Yeah. The silver yeah. linings. Um, so, what's next for you? What's on the horizon?
1: Um, well, I'm just going to keep building this, um, building AmSpirit business connections. Continue to build. Um, the charitable round table. I also have a a monthly call with coaches and consultants called the networking hub, which is, I'm I'm told I shouldn't say it's free because it cheapens it, but there's no cost to it. We just invite people in. Uh, It's the second Wednesday of every month, 7 p.m. Eastern, and people can come in and learn about other people and just throw out there, this is what I'm working on. This is what I need help with. And people will say, well, I know somebody, or you can do this or that. Um, and I want to continue to build those. I really have no interest in retiring. Um, my plan ultimately is to take the business. Uh, and I I have a tax and a not-for-profit background, creating a not-for-profit and putting the business in the not-for-profit and just basically giving it to the franchisees and nice. saying, you know, just yeah. let the, let's let this thing carry. It would almost be employee owned, I guess, is a way of yeah. looking at sure. it. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm fifteen years away from even thinking about what that looks like.
0: Yeah, very cool. And you've got your podcast, yeah, Networking yeah. RX. And then yeah. tell me about the uh, the daily. Yeah, the
1: daily is called the Networking RX Minute, um, and I have enough material right now to get me to one thousand thirty-five episodes. Wow. Uh, yeah, um, I think I just recorded seven uh, nine seven 980 today um nice. so i have a lot of them written that i there's a whole cadence you know mm-hmm. um but yeah it's just a it, it's it's a lot it's a daily insight or an inspiration and some of them are just nuts and bolts networking tips mm-hmm. a lot of it is i i'm a fan of saying the biggest the the most important relationship we have is with ourselves And we have to get ourselves right. And so a lot of it's just kind of optimistic sort of speak. Um, And then I'll talk, you know, I'll weave in there a little bit of history. You know, George Washington met Betsy Ross at church. Um, And mainly because Betsy Ross was excommunicated from her family when she married John Ross. She was a she was a Quaker, which they were pacifists; They weren't for the war. And John Ross was. And when they married, you're out. Now you need to go to this church, Price Church, sit next to George Washington, right? I mean, he needs a flag. She's a seamstress.
0: There you go. You
1: know, it's networking. Um, nice. So I'll, I'll talk about those sorts. And they're all just one little, you know, 150 words. Um, so it's it's a great exercise for me to kind of, you know, keep my writing skills. And I'm always looking for material, always looking for people saying things and neat thoughts and ideas.
0: Very cool. Good job. Well, Frank, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. If people want to get in touch with you, how can they find you? What's your website?
1: Yeah, uh, I I have a website, um, frankagan.com and it leads to all things Frank Agan. So if somebody wants to see the books that are out there, they can find them, link through there. uh, My LinkedIn profile, my Facebook, uh, Twitter, certainly my email address and the phone number, um, information about the charitable round table, as well as um, AmSpirit Business Connections. Uh, people communicate all different ways. I will meet people where they want to talk. Um, That's awesome.
0: And what about the franchises? Is there information on there? If people were interested in opening a franchise in their area?
1: Yeah. um, If they, uh, thank you for asking if they uh, go to the Spirit website, really the best thing would just reach out to me and I'll kind of walk them through it. But I'll franchising is very regulated, meaning there are lots of T's for me to cross and I's to dot. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's for the protection of the people looking at it. Um, and so I need to get them certain documents and I'm happy to do it. I'm not hard sell. Um, it's If it's for somebody, great. If it's not, then they're just somebody who's out there who understands and can send somebody to me.
0: Very cool. And you said the books are on your website. Are they also available on like Amazon? and? Yeah, like they,
1: they all link to Amazon. They all link.
0: Very cool. Yep. Perfect. All right. Well, I will make sure all those notes or all those links are in the show notes uh, so that people can reach out to you and connect. And again, right. thank you. Thank you for taking time out to uh, to do this. And yeah, networking is definitely definitely important to everybody's business, no matter who you are, no matter how big your business is, networking is it.
1: Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be on and uh, to uh, help your audience. Absolutely.
0: Appreciate it. All right, listeners, hope you guys were taking notes. A lot of good takeaways from this. Um, I will have all the links in the show notes, so be sure to reach out uh, to Frank and uh, share this episode with your family, friends and colleagues and stick around because there's always more coming. And that's it for me. Coach Harlan saying so long for now.